Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Schmo Zone. It's episode 13, lucky number 13, April 28th. I'm Dave Schmolenson, a.k.a. The Schmo. My co-host is... Helen Esports. We're back in business, Helen. We are. You mentioned it is our, I guess, lucky number 13th episode, but a lot to talk about today and some stuff makes it kind of feel, at least to me, like it's Friday the 13th, if you know what I'm talking about. We're just going to dive right into it because I love talking extra curricular things there's ufo stuff out now the pentagon finally finally admits ufos they uh declassified three videos they released it yesterday and uh my mind is racing but it's kind of funny to me because not the ufos and the aliens by the way but i'll talk more about that in a minute but the fact that i remember a few weeks ago you initially you were talking to me about aliens or ufos and are they real because you believe in them right yeah well i i look i when it comes to aliens i don't necessarily consider it it, that it has to be a human-like structure we put the et hat on and we put big heads fingers legs the eyes the eyes and everything like that but guess what there's over five million organisms on planet earth and we're here for survival of the fittest, what makes us human, completely bipedal, um, complex brains, um, uh, imposable, opposable thumbs here. We can't assume that aliens or forensic intelligence has the same humanistic features. It could be something else from a different planet that got here. But look, when you look at those videos and you look at everything that's been um, put on the Internet throughout time, you can see this amazing technology that travels in different speeds, goes in different directions, that none of our top U.S. or worldwide fighter pilots have ever seen before. And that's freaking amazing. And then me being a, a, a nerd as a kid and going to space camp and just uh, reading this stuff religiously since I was a, a curious young kid, like obviously... We're not alone, in my opinion. Like, there's, it, you'd be naive to think that there isn't other planets that have other life forms there. And it's just a fascinating time when we're all in lockdown. No one knows what the hell's going on with this coronavirus stuff. That, um, and people are already scared shitless yeah. uh, that the uh, government finally admits to this. Like, what, what the heck was going on in New Mexico in 1947, you know? And what happened, I think, about in uh, the Phoenix Lights in 1997, uh, that V-shaped light structure, was that military testing or is that UFO stuff? There are now so many more questions that need to be answered. But don't you think it's interesting that they're releasing these videos now? I know. Everyone's already scared. And we're all in lockdown. Like, what is the purpose? What's the intent? Is it a distraction? Who knows? I have no idea. I, I think time will tell, but I wonder what they look like, right? Not the UFO thing, but these so-called aliens. And I'll give it to you one more. It could be multiple species of aliens or forensic intelligence. I mean, yeah, we're humans. Yeah, we're, you know, we're black, yellow, orange, green, white, whatever. We're different colors, right? But we're all human beings. This is the... Survival of the fittest. This is the dominant organism here on Earth, but on a different planet, there could be multiple organisms that are working in unison together. So which planet do they fly from? Well, something that's not in our solar system, from the intelligence that we know, there's no life. And the nine planets, is Pluto still a planet? 
the eight planets, nine planets. There, I think it was, and it yeah, wasn't, was, and was it? it now it is again. So the nine planets in our solar system, like from what we know, there's no life within our solar system. But space, I say this a lot, it's infinite. It's beyond human comprehension. Nobody knows exactly how big this thing is. No one's, no man or woman has gone up there and traveled around this whole thing. We don't even have the technology to know how big it is. So um, we'd be naive to think there aren't other Earth-like planets, and they're finding evidence of this throughout time, um, that there are other Earth-like planets out there somewhere, somehow, and maybe it's from there, maybe it's not, who knows. Yeah, this is definitely interesting, and I was never someone who thought too much about aliens and other organisms but this is really making me question a lot of things it's a big 180 from the uh, michael jordan documentary that we got into last uh last episode speaking it of the is. michael jordan documentary thoughts and feels we'll quickly go over that for episodes three and four dennis rodman phil jackson yeah dennis rodman someone else who i think is one of a kind right i think we can all agree on that uh i'm definitely very entertained by those episodes so far and yeah michael jordan continues to impress me just his whole mentality that we've discussed the last episode just of his must win mentality and um some of those stories that he was telling are definitely very interesting like when rodman went to vegas and have to give a shout out to carmen electra i've interviewed her before but i must say she looks amazing did she look as good uh, when you interviewed her as she did in that video and then what we saw? Yeah, of her before? she basically looks the same, literally. And I interviewed her back in, was it 2015 or 16? It was at the World MMA Awards on the red carpet. I remember she was obviously like much shorter than me. Everyone is, or almost every person is, right? Me being 5'10, uh, female wise. But I'm, I am taller than you. By a little bit. Yeah, like an inch. Okay. Ish. But um, yeah, so she was very, very beautiful. I just remember when I was interviewing her, like, oh, wow, like she literally looks like when you see her on TV, she's like flawless. Yeah. Like airbrushed. And I wonder what she looked like in that bedroom when Michael Jordan knocked on the door to ply uh, uh, Dennis Rodman out of the room so he can hop into practice. But I did hear for him letting Rodman go to Las Vegas, there was also another reason, right? Wasn't it because Michael Jordan was going to Vegas too, or he wanted to, or? Uh, well, Michael Jordan always went to Las Vegas. Michael yeah. Jordan always gambled, but Michael Jordan wouldn't go to Las Vegas during the playoffs. Well, I know. You know, but... you know missing out in practice and that kind of opportunity. But no, I think what Jordan ultimately and what you're getting at is you know you need to allow dennis Rodman and his antics to to blossom in order to get the best out of dennis Rodman on the court you need to let the off the court things happen you need to let his sanity happen you need to let him vent you need to let him to have those sins to drink to party to have that balance for him yes because it works for him yeah there's no other player like him in the nba yeah and that just kind of made me think how you know, um, back in, I don't know, middle school, high school, there used to be these people that would always sleep in class, but then they always got A pluses on all those tests. And I'm like, what? Like me staying awake, I can't even get a B, right? But it's just what works for different people. A stroke of genius. And I guess uh, Phil Jackson could really relate to him. They're both weird guys. They're both talking about uh, their different beliefs. They're both out there. They can relate to each other. But uh, my overall thoughts wrapping up on the uh, the Jordan documentary and what we've seen so far, it's the authenticity. And you want to tie it back to the UFO stuff that we just talked about and leaked. People want to see authenticity. And we're getting that out of Michael Jordan. You're seeing the real drama, the real hatred that the Bulls had with the 80s bad boys Pistons, with Isaiah Thomas, you know, with Bill Lambeer. You can see the real vitriol, the hatred Till um, this day. Till this day. Yeah, it's still there. And it's authentic. And you can see that real relationship with Rodman and, and Pippen. They weren't all best buds when they're off the court. No, but they all had a common goal. They understood that winning took precedent over all else. 
they brought it in practice when they showed up, and they certainly brought it on game day, and that's why they were so successful. But people are seeing the authenticity, the authentic side of all of this, and I just think that's what we need more of in this world from everybody, from our leaders, top-down, uh, through our sports, through everything. People want to see the real emotion, the real thing that's going on. Exactly. I agree a million percent. And I think when people see that authentic side of someone that draws them more to the person, whether it's a good authentic or, you know, some an authentic side they may or may not agree with. But sometimes I feel because, um, you know, how, especially now, even in the social media age, how people are very quick to judge and write comments or whatnot. I feel maybe that's why some people may not feel that comfortable showing their authentic side. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's true. And now the challenge I have with authenticity and being a character and doing things in a quarantine environment, uh, Zoom conference to do interviews now, it's like, look, I, I play this character. I created this character to really show authenticity through um, breaking down the barriers, getting the athlete and the subject, the person I'm interviewing to show the real emotion and get that out of them. But when we're doing this through Skype or doing this through Zoom conference and I'm not physically there, I can't feel their body language. I can't yeah. really get a good... Uh, you know, hold on that individual to, you know, what they're going through in that mind, how I can pivot and transition just based off of the body reads I'm able to get. And Zoom conference, you're just going to have to go on a whim and kind of go on more of an objective. And it's not the same. It really isn't. I agree again. It really isn't the same at all. But I feel you've done a great job with it. And it's also interesting because I know a few episodes back you did we did a show together where you were the schmo and I know we've done some stuff some skits in the past for example with Henry Cejudo and whatnot but you like interviewed me it was like we both kind of interviewed each other in a way and you're right like I understand what those athletes feel like like why they feel so comfortable because I I think you as the schmo I mean of course I'm biased as well like of course as David you bring out the best in me but I can see where from an interview standpoint as the schmo you brought out the best in me and made me feel very comfortable yeah, I just think I appreciate that. Um, and, and you're very talented. And I think everybody needs a little kick in the ass one way or another. We all need a jolt. Like, I'm going to be, I'm always a real person. We didn't, we took this a week off, essentially. Our guests, uh, Artem Loboff and Amir Khan, amazing interviews. The, and during the best situation possible, yeah. we both did these Zoom conference styles. You uh, interview Amir Khan. I interviewed Artem Loboff, the GOAT. Um but we sat on this for a week. And why? Because we're human. And, you know, look, whether we released it last week or this week, it's not going to make a difference. I'm still going to ask the same goofy questions and I'm going to yeah. do be my own person. You're going to be your own person. That's what makes us unique uh, journalists. It's like, look, we're focused on us and how can we be better every single day to be to be the best at our craft. We're not worried about what other people do, are doing. We're worried about what we're doing and how we can be better. And, you know, we sat on this for a week. And we both needed it. You know, we exercised, we cleared our minds, we, we wrote things down, we've been taking long walks, and every one of us is human. It's yeah. okay to do that. It's okay to do that. And so I just want to be transparent to everybody that, hey, you know, I needed this past week to regroup, to refocus, and guess what? I'm here. I'm here today. I'm jolly. I'm as happy as ever. Um, I, there will be... Uh, MMA fights again. There's going to be Yay. sports again. Life will return back to some level of normalcy. Who knows what it will look like after this coronavirus? But hey, we're still living. We're still breathing. And mm -hmm. life will go on. And that's the most important thing. Yes. And I'm very happy to hear that. You're feeling a lot better, as am I. I can definitely relate where this past week, yeah, there's some bad days and good days. And some days you wake up it's automatically a better day than the day before, right? 
And that's what we all strive for as well, where, like you said, I mean, that the self-improvement, the 1% improvement each and every day. And um, you also mentioned working out hard and pushing me hard, which you really have, because I'll admit too, it hasn't been an easy process trying to get back into swimming to compete again. I mean, it. I'm going to be very honest, like it is not an easy process. And a lot of people have been asking me, well, how's your journey going so far, getting back into the pool? I mean, step A, it's a long process. I have to get back into elite athlete shape. I just, I can't just be in oh, junior varsity shape or regular. Like if I want to be the best, I got to train like it. And you've been pushing me really hard. Um, and I definitely appreciate it and I feel it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, to reiterate some of those points too, it's like people just see the success. People just see like, you know, I've seen memes before and pictures about what an iceberg really looks like. Like you get just the tip at yeah. the surface and then meters, meters deep, it's the real structure of the iceberg. People don't see all of the success. Like I've, I've compared it to being a duck, you know, you look all calm on the surface too, and you're fluttered kicking ferociously underneath the water. Um, to get to where we are here today, where we can even have a podcast, where I could have had success and be a journalist as the schmo and you building your brand with Helen E Sports, it took a lot of hard work, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot mm -hmm. of self-doubt, and so many obstacles, countless obstacles that are only going to continue to come out over time as you and I continue to do this and we continue to get more success. But what really, really irks me more than anything is when people sit there and make all these different excuses as to why they can't do something or why they can't put the effort in and work hard. You know, not everybody has talent, but everybody can make up for that by hard work. And if That's you true. work hard enough and you have the passion, you want something, you can take it. Like countless times, you get this a lot too, and I'm seeing this all the time. I get musicians, people that want to reach out to me and just say, hey man, I love your stuff. I'm, um, you know, I'm a music producer. I want to put, how about putting my music behind some of your schmo videos? And it's like, here's a link to all my stuff. It's like, look, why don't you take the initiative and just, why don't you take some of my stuff, you see it, take some of your music stuff and present some stuff to me rather than just make it, oh, hey, do some work, go research me and do all this stuff and go see if there's a good fit and, and put the position on my shoulders. If you want to collaborate and find unique ways to advance, be creative about it. Take some of my work, take some of your music, mash it up and put an idea inside my head to how to get somewhere. And same thing if you're 21 years old, 18 years old, you're graduating high school, um, you're still in high school, you're still in college, you're graduating college and you're looking for an internship, looking looking for a job, stand out, do something mm -hmm. unique. Just not say, hey, is there a position open for me? Look, man, there's hundreds and thousands of times where I've reached out to people that have never gotten responses for it. You have to be unique. You can't take anything personally and you just have to go for it. Grab someone's attention, do something. We live one life. Why do you have to go and live yours by the structure that someone else created for you? Very well said, mic drop, but I agree, and I think um, even like for me, years ago when I created Eyes on the Game, my show, literally no one gave me a chance. And this very small internet radio show that asked me to be their like sports reporter, they the producer said I sucked, I was terrible, so they didn't want me on it anymore. And Basically, I just I was a cocktail waitress at the time, saved up all my tips and created my own show. I mean, if no one's going to give me that opportunity. So I was like working. I think I mentioned this in a past episode, working uh, graveyard shifts and then trying to pursue sports during the day. But yeah, like you said, I mean, if no one is giving you a chance, then create your own opportunity and where there is will, there's always a way. Yeah, I mean, just look at what we just saw last week, the virtual NFL draft. Now, I don't know him personally, but there's a guy, DJ Daniel Jeremiah. I think he does the NFL Network, you know, Move the Sticks. He does a podcast himself. Talented writer, talented guy. You know, he was never doing the NFL draft stuff like five, ten years ago. No one knew who he was, but he 
continue to work at his craft. And here we are in a global pandemic. I'm not sure if I remembered seeing him there last year doing a lot of draft stuff. I think this year for sure, if it wasn't his first year, this was his most prominent role during the NFL draft stuff. And it was a virtual draft. The NFL didn't, you know, say, oh, you know, we, we can't be in studio. These huge hundred thousand dollar million dollar production studios. We're not in person. We can't not have the NFL draft. We can't do it. Per- no, they pivoted. They moved forward, and you saw a guy like DJ, Daniel Jeremiah, step up, right place, opportunity meets those who are prepared. True. He got in there, and this guy was providing some of the most uh, insight, some of the best analyst stuff. He was there all three days for the virtual NFL draft, and that is a tribute to his hard work, his perseverance, showing up and doing stuff. So I don't know this guy, but here I am on the Schmo Zone giving him some kudos. What did you think of the NFL draft? I thought for the situation and circumstance, it was pretty remarkable. It shows you where technology is to this day and age that people literally on different screens in their homes can do all these different things. I'm not going to talk about how cringeworthy uh, Robert Goodell, uh, Roger Goodell is in his basement. And <laughs> yeah, how, he messed up a few uh, You could just tell when he's literally staring at a screen and reading from something. You can tell he botched so many words, so many names. Um, he's not a TV guy, but... Uh, you can tell he performs better when he's in more of a production live atmosphere than he is in his basement. <laughs> I thought you were going to say about the cringeworthy, the girlfriends situation. Oh. There were a few of them. Oh, the girlfriends taking the limelight. Oh, that's great stuff. And then they're, the best part about it is you got to look moms. at the moms. Exactly. Look at the mom's eyes. That reads it all. You got to think to yourself. This woman's not going to be here five years from now. If the mom doesn't approve of them when they're getting drafted before the millions even come in, what's she going to think of them when the millions are in the bank account? True. Or maybe they showed their true colors during that time. Everybody's thirsty for that money. What can I say? It is what it is. Yeah. So um, on the Schmo Zone today, the Schmo got to interview the GOAT. Artem Lobov, only fitting to interview the GOAT after we had Pauli Malanaji together in a, in a Skype Zoom conference. I think it was episode 11. So it was only fitting to have Artem on talking about the potential boxing match with him. And uh, the intriguing part about interviewing Artem, you know, I even sensed him being quarantined and locked up that he was kind of getting that cabin fever. He was feeling confused, not knowing what the heck's going on. And it was great talking to him. I really wish the first time we did an interview together, the schmo and the bro with him, it would be in person. But at least we got that photo together when he was uh, uh, with Conor McGregor, that January 16th fight against Cowboy Cerrone here in Vegas. Got to meet him in person. Um, But great talking to him and great, finally, finally, I'm surprised no journalist really got this out there. Uh, when Artem really embraced being the GOAT, and I always thought that was fitting because um, here we are talking about Michael Jordan, the documentary, my GOAT, the GOAT. We have two GOATs. You know, you got Artem, you got MJ. Three GOATs and the Schmo. Eh, the Schmoat. That's the closest thing I'll hear to. The Schmoat is fine. No GOAT. The Schmoat. I don't believe in that. All I do is wake up every day to talk sports and make people laugh. It's it's just an easy thing to do. But your Schmo stash is growing. It's becoming a lot more prominent now. I love it. I, I, it's Slow only, and steady. It's only taken five, six weeks at least. But um, yeah, I'm, we'll keep it until we get the the right sponsor to uh, shave this thing off. Hint, 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 wink, wink for a future episode. But how about we play some Artem Loboff, the goat? Love it. Let's do it. Travis, hit that up. This is the schmo with the pro, a man who needs no introduction, cyber style, Zoom conference style. Artem Loboff, how we doing? I'm good, Schmo. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I've heard a lot about you. I had an opportunity to meet you in Vegas before, but never been on your show. So it's good to finally make an appearance. Listen, in the Schmo's perfect world, we'd be doing this in person. It sucks we have to do this cyberly first, but we did get to meet you in Vegas. It was great seeing you in the flesh. We got a photo together, and I'm fortunate enough to have your time right now. Sounds good. Yeah, I know. We will will get to do it in person one day, I hope. I hope so, too, especially because last week we had Paulie Malignaggi on, and we figured it's only right to have you on this week. Of course. So there was a boxing conversation with you two going back at it, but in a boxing ring he was offered in December. He didn't take it seriously. How serious are you for boxing Paulie Malignaggi? 
Well, you know, I, I wanted to make a boxing debut uh, for a long time now. I've tried to get a boxing license about five years ago originally, maybe even more at this stage. And it, it was an issue at the time because the commission had told me that if I was to get a boxing license, I would have to stop doing MMA. They wanted me fully committed to boxing, which, of course, was a deal breaker for me at the time. Now, a lot of time has passed since then. You know, obviously, Conor has fought uh, Floyd. And, uh, you know, MMA is in a different place than it was, you know, six years ago. So uh, I would be able to do both of them at, at the same time simultaneously, you know. So uh, it's definitely something that I would love to do. Uh, if it's against Poli, great. If it's against anyone else, I don't really care. But, of course, I'm at a stage where the offer has to make sense, you know. Uh, other than that, I'm good to go. That's right, because you're a free agent. In a perfect world, in a perfect Artem Lobov world, would you get into bare knuckle or boxing or MMA as your first fight back in combat sports? In the perfect world, I'd have all three. That would be in the perfect world. You know, I, I want to compete in all of those uh, disciplines. You know, MMA, of course, I've taken a year break. It's been, been actually a year and a half at this stage. Uh, I mean, this is my bread and butter, you know, it's something that I really enjoy and this is what I came from. I'm definitely not leaving that behind. Uh, bare Knuckle has been a new game for me, but, you know, as you've seen, you know, it's been uh, something I was quite successful at. It's uh, helped me a lot in terms of promoting myself financially, you name it, you know, so definitely not going to say goodbye to that sport anytime soon. And as I already mentioned, boxing, you know, why not? I, to me, why, why wouldn't I fight in a boxing fight? You know, if, if I'm someone that comes from MMA, somebody that competed in bare knuckle boxing, I'm used to, you know, getting kicked, you know, with the shin, you know, getting elbowed in the face when you're on the floor and head has nowhere to bounce. You know, why should I be af afraid of a boxing fight? You know, to me, it's it's a no-brainer. You know, if the money was right, if the offer was good, I'd love to try myself uh, at the boxing. So it comes down to the offer for where you would fight first of all those three disciplines? 100%, yeah, at this stage, you know, I, there was time for me when it was time to earn your reputation. I always say that first you work for your reputation and then your reputation works for you. So for me, that time has passed. You know, back in the day, I used to take fights on, uh, you know, four-hour notice, day notice, week notice for no money at all against really, really tough guys that promoters were struggling to match or find, you know, uh, fighters to fight them. And I did it for almost no money at all. This was my uh, earning, uh, uh, my reputation stage, you know, and I did, I did, I took more risks than uh, uh, most other fighters out there. Certainly more risk than any boxer out there. That's for sure. Because all the boxers are padded records. There's no question about that. So now I'm at a point where, it's time for the reputation, you know, to, to, to provide for me. Now it's time to cash in on that, uh, on all that risk that, that I was taking. All the risk, you know, um, in terms of physical risk, you know, getting an, uh, an injury, uh, serious injury in all those tough fights. Uh, also, you know, record, you know, my record was put on the line. So there was a lot of risks that I took. So now it's time to uh, to see the, the fruits of my labor, you know, and it has been so last year. Financially-wise, has been incredible for me, but I would like to keep that going. This year was looking to be even better for me, but then, of course, Corona had other plans, and uh, here we are, you know, uh, hoping to get through this and get back to normality. Get the best of both of us, of all of us. What does an Artem Lobov quarantine workout look like? What does that entail? Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you, Shmo. I, my workouts haven't been great. You know, it's I uh, just... When you're in a world like this, you don't know when we're coming back. You know, it's it's so hard to find motivation. You know, I've been I've been trying to do some little home workouts. You know, some more like a pump than anything. You know, like push-ups, squats, that that type of thing. You know, it's, it's um, but but it's but it's nowhere near the level that it needs to be for a professional uh, athlete in order to compete. So of course, when this is all over. Um, you know, I, I have to go back into a proper camp and do proper training. And to be honest, as I will see that this is slowing down and we're getting towards, you know, normality, I will start proper workouts at home, you know. But now it's just so fine, so hard to find motivation when you don't know what the fuck is going to happen. You know, I'm reading reports online, people saying the fights will not return till 2021. So I'm like, oh, you know, it's just so demotivating and depressing even, you know, it's... I find it hard, you know, I have to be honest. I, my, my workouts have not been that great. Understood, understood. 
The Schmoes is Chicago guy. Universally, when we hear the word GOAT, we think Michael Jeffrey Jordan, Michael Jordan. They have the documentary. But a lot of people start calling you, Artem, the GOAT. Wanted to get your thoughts on that nickname. When was the first time you've heard that nickname? And now have you universally accepted, Artem, that you are the GOAT? Uh, well, you know, the first time I heard it, I, I couldn't really tell you. I, it was a good, I mean, it was after the Ultimate Fighter anyways. Sometime after the Ultimate Fighter. But I'm not sure exactly when. Um, and as I have accepted, to be honest, I don't mind. You know, I love humor. I love, I, I can say I have a decent sense of humor. You know, I love, I love having a laugh. And especially when it's, when it's really funny. You know, there's been some memes out there and some jokes that people have made in terms of this goat thing that were really really funny you know sometimes when people just say it stupidly you know yeah it, you know it's just don't bore me with that shit you know not that i hate it, just whatever but when it's really funny yeah i have a good laugh out of it and why not you know if it makes people laugh you know helps them get through their day or whatever adds a bit of positivity why the fuck not you know it certainly doesn't hurt me in any way you know people can say whatever they want out there you know it doesn't affect my life in any way shape or form and if anything this go thing has actually helped me um career wise you know i anytime i uh, there's a fight offer and i accept or whatever this goat army seems to you know uh get right behind me and uh give me a huge, you know, push on the social media. And uh, by doing so, they have pushed my salaries, you know, quite high up into the six figures. I mean, there's very few fighters out there across all combat sports that can say that they make a good living out of this life. And I'm one of them. And this GOAT thing is a big reason for it. So the GOAT brought you six-figure paydays. That's it. That's right. We say, why not? Look above the schmo. It's all about laughs, man. Why not? It doesn't matter what they're saying as long as they're talking about you because that creates more money in your bank account. There you go. You that said it, schmo. If the schmo said it, then it's so. Of course. Now let's talk about your teammate, <laughs> the famous guy, Conor McGregor. Now, Dana White's been outspoken about bringing the UFC back in May if he can get it done here. No one knows what's going on with coronavirus, but he's outspoken about getting fights back, having something every week. A guy, Justin Gaethje, they brought his name up, fighting Tony Ferguson because Abib has to pull out. He's got holidays. He's got religious obligations. But they're talking about Justin Gaethje Ferguson. What fight makes sense for Conor McGregor the next time, whenever that will be, for his return inside the octagon? I mean, well, to be honest, now with the Tony and uh, Tony and Gaethje busy, you know, with each other, let's be honest, that's going to be an absolute war. They're going to need a year to recover from that. So, uh, you know, Habib can fight Connor. You know what I mean? Why not I'll do that rematch now? I mean, yes, there was uh, Tony was next in line. No one's denied that he has earned his uh, rightful spot. But the fight didn't happen again. So, what are you going to do? This was what the fifth time around. Um, and like I said, that fight is going to be crazy, Gaethje versus Tony. So. You know, uh, why not just do Conor versus Habib? You know, I, I certainly would love to see that. Many fans out there want to see that. Uh, with everything Conor has done in his life, and, uh, you know, he's definitely earned uh, whatever fight he asks for and definitely earned that uh, rematch. So if you remember, you know, he took that fight, uh, you know, uh, after being away from MMA for a very long time. I mean, he said a boxing fight before that 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 fight with Habib, you know. So, uh, you know, there's he's earned his, uh, his rematch, I feel. So. Let's see it again. Would it make sense for Connor to fight Justin Gaethje? Uh, well, to be honest, when it's Connor, you know, all his fights are great. You know, when has Connor ever been in a boring fight? So no matter who he fights, it's going to be amazing. No matter who he fights, it's going to be watched by everyone. Like, those are just the facts. You know, the numbers don't lie. Every time he's fought, it's been a new record after a new record. Him and Gaethje is going to be an incredible fight. But for me personally, it's a not it's not a fight that Conor needs. You know, if he wanted to do it, yeah, of course, why the hell not? But in terms of legacy and financial uh, security and everything else, not that I mean, Conor is already financially secure, but even just to kind of add that good money fight, to me, it's do Habib rematch and do a Mayweather rematch. And that's it. Those two and those two, win those two, that sets you up financially, that sets you up legacy-wise. You know, you have you'll have nothing else left to prove. If you, as an MMA fighter, cross over to boxer boxing and def defeat Mayweather, that's it. You know what I mean? That shuts every other boxer out there. 
and uh, you know, getting Habib back, that just was personal, so that needs to be got back. That's it. Other than that, you know, I don't see any more fights that are needed. You know what I mean? Of course, if they want to do them, but needed, no, I wouldn't say so. So no more fights needed at 170, especially a trilogy with Nate Diaz at 170, not needed. But you said, uh, you said uh, Floyd Mayweather. What about Pacquiao? Manny Pacquiao would be a great fight of boxing too. He can't rule that out. No, absolutely. That one, if, if Mayweather was not available, I would take that as the other, you know, option. You know, Pacquiao, 100%, also a legend of the sport. Uh, and uh, yes, that would be good. But why say Mayweather? Because obviously, you know, I want Conor to get the rematch, you know. And to be honest, just watching the fight and being in camp, I know he can get it done, you know. And it's never been done before. And there's no better man to do something for the first time than Conor, you know. He's how many firsts has he had, you know. Uh, million at this stage so I, I would love for him to get that one back but of course if not then Habib and Manny and that's it what was more challenging for you doing the bare knuckle or doing MMA where did you feel the most nerves if any at all uh you know both was challenging not in terms of nerves in terms of nerves both are the same you know it's it's a contest where you're in front of a crowd that's where the nerves come from the nerves don't really come from the fight itself the nerves come from the occasion, you know, people being around and cheering you on and all this. Um, but in terms of which one is harder as a sport, you know, both present itself, uh, both present different sets of challenges. You know, uh, bare knuckle, of course, you know, the hands, you know, there's a reason why we do have gloves. You know, it's it's extremely, really painful on your hands. You know, it's a, it's a very, very... Uh, fast sport you know it's only two minute rounds and only five of them so you're literally it feels like being in a blender you know you get put into this blender switched on you get minced in there and then you take a minute breather and you have to go back into the blender again uh, but MMA of course is extremely difficult sport as well you know there's so many aspects to MMA you know there's wrestling there's grappling there's cage wrestling you know there's the striking and not just striking there's boxing K1, you know, um, all of them combined, you know, there's just so many aspects to it. So, yeah, both are very difficult, you know, to me, I don't really like comparing to those kind of things, you know, they're just different. And, you know, there's good about each of them and there's bad about each of them. So I just love them both. Circling back to what we opened up with Paulie, would he be the most likely opponent in a boxing ring? Because he kind of brushed it off about that offer in December. Do you think it can get done? You boxing, Pauly? Uh, I'm sure if, if the offer was right, it could get done easily. I'm sure Pauly would take it, and I 100% would take it, as I have done with every single fight in my uh, career. So, um, yeah, you just need to find the right uh, uh, promoter for it. you know. And, and I feel there's definitely interest. I mean, look... When we fought in Bernacle, you know, the world was watching, you know, people were talking about it. You saw at press conferences, you saw, you saw top MMA journalists there, you saw top um, uh, boxing journalists there. Um, you know, how, how many MMA guys can say that at their press conference they had a boxing journalist? And how many boxing guys can say that at their press conference they had a top MMA journalist? Very, very few. You know, it, it happened to me, you know, I was there, I've done that. So uh, to me, the interest is certainly there. It's just finding the right promoter and uh, that would uh, pay the right money. You know, let's just call a spade a spade. It's, it's about money, this is. If there was the right um, finances behind this, it could get done easily. Absolutely. We'll get you out of here on this. What's one thing you want to accomplish in your combat sports career before you hang it up when it's all said and done? Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, for now, right now, my goal is to also compete in boxing. You know, I have done bare knuckle, I have done uh, MMA already, and as it goes, you know, I've fought in the top bare knuckle promotion. I know there was only one, but you know, let's. It, it is a fact. You know, the one there's other ones popping up now, but Valor the bare knuckle tried. The schmo was actually the sports behind the scenes interviewer for Valor bare knuckle Ken Shamrock. They didn't get the funding for the second one though. Well, there you go. So, you know, I fought for the biggest bare knuckle promotion. I have fought for the biggest MMA promotion. I have done the ultimate fight. I've not just done it. I'm one of the three guys that, that got all knockouts on the season. Uh, I was in the final. I fought for UFC. I was main event for UFC. I was co-main event UFC. So now for me, it's time to go boxing as well. You know, I've achieved a lot in bare knuckle already, a lot in MMA. 
now it's time to conquer another sport. And uh, boxing it is. It's on my radar. Let's do it. Who else has done that trifecta before? I don't know. I don't think there has been. Oh, well, maybe there has been, but I don't know. But not, none not of them were the GOAT. Exactly. And not on my level anyway. You know what I mean? It's one thing, you know, showing up and taking a little quiet fight here and there. It's a different story when you're doing main events uh, against two-time world boxing champions, when you're doing main events in the UFC, when you're in the final of the uh, Ultimate Fighter. You know, those are those are very hard things to achieve. And very, very few uh, people can say that uh, they have them as their uh, achievements. And, and I'm one of those lucky few. So, um, yeah, let's do let's do boxing now. It's the big leaks. That's why you're the pro. Exactly. And that's why you're the schmo. And I'm the schmo. This is Zoom conference, the schmo and the pro. We appreciate your time. We're out. Thank you so much, Mo. Artem really is a good sport. He really is. He's the goat. You know, bare knuckle boxing, or bare knuckle fighting, boxing, and MMA. Yeah, the triple threat. And I love how he embrace it and embraces being the goat now yeah and what i found fascinating through that and i was really picking at him uh with conor mcgregor's next opponent because you know i've i've been outspoken saying i really want to see conor fight justin gaethje and again that was that was before stepping in for habib and Mm -hmm. tony just assuming the fifth time would be the charm not knowing it's the six, but you know, it's interesting that Artem said, like, really the only two fights in terms of legacy that Conor McGregor should do if he even wants the fight, it should be Floyd Mayweather for boxing, and it should be Habib rematch in MMA. No Justin Gaethje. My only question is when he mentioned Floyd Mayweather in boxing, he would only mention it as in Conor rematching Floyd and beating him, or because, you know. Oh, well, yeah. The assumption is that Connor fights him again. He's going to win. He will beat Floyd Mayweather. That, so that's, that that's would be the only way to redeem himself. That's the consensus. It's obviously the paydays there, but the consensus is if Connor could rematch Floyd again, the result would be different. That's the consensus in the Connor McGregor fight camp. Okay. Yeah. So I thought that was just a, you know. His his insight in on that is always going to be appreciated because he's been there for him. He's been there for him for the past few years, for a long, long time. True. Well, Polly Malinaji's been there for him too. Yeah. <laughs> for that camp, that's actually it's funny just reflecting on those moments. It's crazy to think that it's already been coming up what four years ago. Not four years since the fight, because the fight was, what, 2017? Well, it's already coming on three years ago, but four years ago when Mayweather Floyd Sr., his dad, told me it was actually in May at the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame on the red carpet that he told me his son was coming out of retirement to fight an MMA fighter. And I said, is it Conor McGregor? And then... We got the fight a year later. And Helen had her first viral moment. I did. But I have to admit, I was like, oh my gosh, because it all kind of blew up so fast. And then I remember like Fox Sports, Undisputed, Skip and Shannon, um, they picked up my interviews and then like TMZ, like it just went crazy. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I've told you, and I've mentioned on the show too, when I first started the on-camera interviews in 2016 from kind of branching off from my radio show, it was to still overcome my shyness and trying to speak better and improve myself, right? So then when all that happened, I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I'm breaking out in sweats. Yeah, you've come a long way. And now here we are. We are doing quarantine-style podcasts. There is a fight next week. Yeah, you mentioned Justin Gaethje. I was going to bring that up. Justin UFC coming to Jacksonville. How about that? May 9th, and then they got something else midweek. And then another one May 16th. So would it be May 9th, May 13th, May 16th? That should bring some hope back to the people. Yeah, it, it makes me really happy to hear that. And I know there obviously is debates, whatever, off off the scene but you and i we've talked about this a few episodes prior 
in regards to our stance, obviously, on this topic. So I still stand by it. Yeah. Um, and we don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know mm -hmm. how it will look, but uh, Helen and the Schmo will continue to cover UFC and MMA. Don't know what that's going to exactly look like or entail, but we will figure it out and we'll yeah. promise we'll make it as entertaining as possible. But that's what makes the UFC so powerful is that they're able to pivot and move on and other fighters take note of it in different sports and boxing in particular. One of them, you recently interviewed Amir Khan and we're taking a great clip, about a five-minute clip from that interview that you had with King Khan, Amir Khan, the 2004 Olympic silver medalist, the welterweight. Um, it's fascinating to get his perspective on where MMA is, their fan base, the UFC, exactly. and why they're successful, and what boxing needs to do to survive and pivot in the post-coronavirus days, because... If you want to be real, from a combat sports standpoint, boxing is a fantastic sport. And at one point in our country, in the United States of America, it was the most popular sport in the world before baseball. Before baseball. I mean, and then there was a time when baseball got popular. The Babe Ruth, uh, the Lou Gehrig, and all the popular uh, players, the Mickey Mantles. Boxing was still right then and there, you know. Boxing still had its stars. And then throughout time, our generations, the past decade, two decades, three decades, you've seen the popularity of boxing go down. The best athletes in our country playing different sports, playing football, playing basketball. And now, from a combat standpoint, some of the best athletes are now becoming MMA fighters and not boxers. Why is the popularity of boxing going down? I think it's interesting hearing that from Amir Khan's perspective. Yeah, me too, because... You actually took the words right out of my mouth. When he was telling me that that day during our interview, I was like, wow, he actually does make some good points. He gets it. He gets it. Yeah. And he he's a realist because I know for a long time, too, there's kind of this thing where, oh, MMA versus boxing type of thing, whether it's, you know, the fan base or who's saying, like, which sport, quote, is better, right? But... I like that Amir Khan really kept it real in his points and also on where UFC, where MMA stands versus where boxing is and how boxing can improve after this pandemic. Whether it's Muay Thai, whether it's jiu-jitsu, you know, grappling, wrestling, uh, MMA, boxing, fight fans want to see the, the best, best fighters fight the best fighters. Going back to the point earlier in the podcast on authenticity. Authenticity is being transparent. It's let's get the best guys fighting the best guys. No tune-up fights. None of this. None of this because I can make, you know, this doing this. And then maybe two years down the line, I can make more money fighting this guy. I don't want to lose now. I want to have a better record uh, and pad up my record. So, I mean, none of that BS. I like what he had to say. Should we play it? Yes. Amir Khan. Where do you think the boxing landscape will be like when things can return to normalcy? See, I mean, it can go two ways where a lot of these fighters are going to be like, we need tune-up fights because we've been out for such a long time. And then that's going to destroy the sport a little bit because people want to see them in big fights. Now, whereas then UFC are going to do probably shows and they'll probably put the best versus the best on and they'll get attract all the audience. What boxing has to do, in my opinion, is put on big fights, put on big fights, you know, take that risk and say, for example, like a, um, I'm talking about fights like a Crawford and a Spence fight. You know what I mean? If that, if that straight after um, this coronavirus lockdown, if they was to use some big fights, that would be one. I think they should. Canelo and Golovkin rematch could be in the second one. So they have to put the big fights in so that way the, the fans engage with boxing. And then I think this is a good chance for boxing either to make the, make, get back to the top again and be the number one fighting sport. Yeah. Because MMA did take over. UFC did take over. Or if they don't do, if they don't take these big risk, risky fights and these fights so soon, then they might lose all that fan base yet again. As, they have, as we have lost boxing fans, you know, to MMA and other sports. But it's just because the fights that the fans want to see uh, are not really happening. And uh, especially now with, with, this, uh, when this, with this pandemic period, I think fans want to see big fights. 
Yeah. And if we was to give them a big fight straight away, I think they'll want to stick with us all the way then. But speaking of big fights, I know recently you spoke to Coogan of IFL TV and you mentioned, you know, like someone you would love to fight, obviously Manny Pacquiao, a big yeah, fight. Yeah. What do you think should be next for him though? Because I know you mentioned you first want that tune-up fight. Um, well, yeah. Um, look, to be honest with you, if it was a Manny Pacquiao fight, look, and we both agreed I think we'd be we'd be able to take that fight without a tune-up fight. See, what, look, we are both professionals now, and we've been in the game a very long time with experience and everything. So we can go straight into a big fight. There's been time where I've taken off two years and come back and had a tough fight, and so we always keep ourselves busy in the gym anyway. See, it comes to a state at this level, we don't really need trainers to always put in our head this is what we need to do we can do it ourselves because we've been in the game for such a long time but for me to come back and go straight into a hard fight straight away I think look depending if it's the right name why not look Manny Pacquiao fight for example is not going to come every day so if that name was put to me to come back from this pandemic and let's do the Pacquiao fight I would not say no to it where do you think you present the biggest challenge for him I think with Manny Pacquiao, look, it's a great storyline, first of all, because we used to be sparring partners. We trained together. We must have done about two, three hundred rounds of sparring. We had some great sparring sessions. Look, you can never compare a sparring session to a fight. I, I understand that. You know, we know a lot about each other. You know, we're both quick fighters. We're quite similar fighters, movement, speed. I do really well against Sopo. So, I mean, look, I think it, it, does, it, does, it is a good fight because I think it'll be exciting. And I think um, with, with me being very confident in you know, I think the speed, see, with Manny, normally he's a quicker guy. In this fight against Manny Pacquiao, if I was to fight him, I'd be the quicker guy. Power, you know, I've got the power as well to stand up to his. And the main thing is, I think, is the size. See, a lot of these people that fight Manny Pacquiao, normally Manny overwhelms me with his speed. But with me, he won't overwhelm me with his speed because obviously I've got my own speed. But at the same time, I've got the size behind it as well with the power. So I think he'll make a good matchup and a lot of skill as well, you know, being having that boxing brain as well. But Manny's a great champion, not going to ever talk bad about him I think he's one of the best out there that we've ever had but to be in the same wing as a, as a great legend like him would be amazing and to fight him would be amazing so if that fight happens it happens and I think it would make make a, a big fight and also it'll, it'll create a lot of numbers on, on pay-per-view for example because it's a fight that people would love to see yeah. Amir Khan Manny Pacquiao what do you think of that matchup? Just bringing a fight island have, yeah. have everybody fight there on Fight Island. Amir Khan, Manny Pacquiao. I, who, I would see that. I'd love to see that. As I was sitting there watching, I was thinking to myself, man, it's been a year and a week since we were watching him fight against Terrence Crawford in Madison Square Garden, which was a week after April, um, my April event, UFC 236 in Atlanta, the <laughs> press conference, where I had my first viral moment. And then we were in New York. We watched him lose uh, to uh, Terrence Crawford, but Amir Khan is pretty big welterweight in this sport for a long time. I'd love to exactly. see him fight Pacquiao. Why not? Yeah, like you said, why not? But hasn't the Schmo trained with Manny Pacquiao before? Manny Pacquiao, yes. Manny you have Pac some Pac-Man Pac stories. Pac-Man's got the biggest freaking calves I have ever seen for a man of his stature. He's like, what, 5'7", five, 5'8"? Five, this guy is quick, and he's, what, he's pushing, for, he's 40, 41, 40 or 41, and he can move like he's 25. He can get to places, and his hands are freaking fast. The way, he, the way he still hits mitts with Freddie Roach, I've been with them in wildcard boxing for some private workout sessions, and Manny Pacquiao goes hard and goes after it, and he's got fast hands, and he's entertaining. Amir Khan has fast hands. They're mm -hmm. both quick guys. It's fireworks when those two would, uh, would would get into a ring together. Has he taught you anything when you train with him? You know, uh, I've done some sit-ups and some core work with Manny Pacquiao. I've done the two-mile run with him from his house. I've been to his house, broke bread with Manny Pacquiao and his wife and his kids is that a, another story for another day or well it was awesome that that story was great that's it's you want to go full picture here because we brought up michael jordan the last dance i asked manny pacquiao of course i'm having dinner or lunch i forgot what it was it was lunch i was having lunch with manny pacquiao and then i interview him after and then one of the first things i asked him and it was the second time i've ever, ever interviewed manny pacquiao i said to him michael jordan 
or LeBron James? And he says Michael Jordan. And I love it. You He's should like, find he knows out it. Cl- yeah. clip. And then, and then, and then I, I have the clip. We can post it. And then I also, um, and I posted it before, uh, just so some of the new people yeah. that are discovered this, they could see that I've had that in, in the Schmo's repertoire, the Schmo's past. But I also asked him about uh, facing Floyd Mayweather in a game of charity basketball. I do remember and you saying that. And they were all that. for it. So the, I've all been for this charity stuff, whether it's grappling or basketball, it doesn't matter. I, I, I'm i all for charity sports. I'm all for it. Yeah, I know. I mean, but it, sometimes it is hard when you're the one that's all for it and a possible opponent doesn't want to do it. You always need a viable dance partner. You need someone that brings the fireworks with you when you meet in there whether it's an octagon a cage a ring a basketball court you need a viable opponent you need a viable person that you're going up against so we're just waiting for the right one to uh step up to the plate it hasn't happened but inevitably it will you'll see this guy the schmo or dave active into something be more entertaining if it's the schmo i don't think it's as fun if i do it it's not as fun for me i'm gonna be honest it's not Well, regardless who it is, it'll definitely be entertaining. And I do know you are training very hard right now. So you'll be in shape for sure. You already are in shape. I I don't know what I'm training. I'm working out hard. I rediscovered those P90X DVDs I had since 2004 playing it on your Xbox. Who knew they work? MVP of our quarantine is those P90X DVDs. You want to talk about a guy with energy? Tony Horton. Shout out to him. He's a legend. He's probably like 65 right now, and he's in amazing shape. Actually, I know he is because I was watching his YouTube videos recently. He's still in great shape. He's still got it. That guy's, his energy's amazing. Just watch those DVDs. He's, he's just, Aberbrex, 5, 4, 3, 2, and I... 1, and go. Come on, bring it up. Come on, Audra. You got me, Jerry? This guy, he's all over the place. Literally. Talking to the camera people, talking to the people as he's making them engage their core. It's great. Every day, yeah. I'm excited for my plyometrics workout with them today. Plyometrics, jump training. Everybody needs us in this repertoire. You want to be a better hooper? You need plyometrics. I'm Tony Horton. I don't know if Preacher. that's even a good impression, but I was no, just that trying. that's a great impression. Yeah, I I was just thinking about the plyometrics workout I'm about to do today, and. A little cloud came over my head. Oh, it's fun. Uh, just think about how much sweat's going to be dripping off of that fine body of yours. Any fi- any uh, final thoughts you have? This We're actually at this thing for almost an hour. Already? Uh, yeah, the Schmozone podcast. It Three months. Yeah, and, and my lucky number is the 13th, by the way. I'm born on, on the 13th. Yeah. Uh, I love 13. 13 is my favorite number. It's the 13th episode. And it's been three months complete. Yeah, and my birthday was on Friday the 13th, March 13th. The last night we actually got to go out on the strip mm-hmm. before quarantine. My birthday, thank you very much. So, uh, you know, there's always some positives. You got That's the thing. If I can end this podcast on any note, it's, look, there's always two ways to look at a story. The good way or the negative way is the glass, half full or half empty. Look at the positives. Count your blessings. We're both... Mm-hmm breathing we're all if you're listening to this you're living you're breathing hopefully healthy hopefully have opportunity why not try something new what risks do you have to take the and this is the one thing too that we're fortunate about is we've taken a lot of risks to get here in our careers you know us both leaving the structure of corporate america to run our own business to become our own media entities obviously we had to learn and adapt and grind, but we bet on ourselves and took chances of ourselves, and we did this pre-quarantine. How many people are going to have to do this and should do this after quarantine? That's the message I have for everybody. It's now is the time to bet on yourself, go all in, and make the most out of your life because you can literally do and be whatever you want to be if you have the passion and you work hard, put in the work. I yes. know it seems sluggish at times. It, you could be cemented, like literally feel like you're going inches, centimeters, millimeters. Some days you just stay the same. But keep thinking positively and have that forward progress. Momentum will carry itself. And if you work hard enough, if you have that drive, the ambition, the passion, it's all there, you will get there. Very well said. And I'll end on this note because basically you said things that 
I agree with, so I'm not going to add much to that. But I will add something that's keeping me very happy right now is thinking about some good ass pizza on Friday. Yes, Fridays are I'm excited. <laughs> Fridays are cheat day. Uh, I'm not going to say anything further than uh, Lou Malnati's pizza, deep dish pizza. We're cheating. We're, I'm going to devour but an entire pizza to myself. I know you love deep dish because you're from Chicago. I still like the pizza with the cheese on top. People might hate me for it, but it's okay. An amazing thin New York style. New York slice. I've been to Italy. I've had pizza in Italy. I've had them from all over the world. It's, you know, different strokes for different folks, whatever your favorite is. Home is where the heart is, you know, so I'll always relate to Chicago deep dish pizza. Some people consider it like a pie, like a lasagna. It's pizza to me. We're going to enjoy it. I know you'll love it. You've had the Monati's before. We're going to have it again. It's our cheat meal. It's like our like our second or second cheat meal of all of quarantine. Love it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Being on this clean eating binge it has been kind of hard. So Friday's keeping me happy. There it is. That wraps up episode 13. She's Helen E. Sports. I'm Dave Schmolenson. We're out.